on your favorite teams. This is Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on the voice of your Edmonton Oilers and Eskimos. 6.30 Chad. This is Inside Sports, Friday night edition. Brendan Ulrich, Patrick Bauer with you. Reed Wilkins back in the big chair on Monday. We've heard from Blake Dermott. We talked about the Eskimos knocking off Ottawa last night to get to 7-0. Later in the program, we are going to hear from Mitch Clark, local UFC fighter. He is on the card for UFC 215, September 9th at Rogers Place. Really looking forward to this. Um, I had the chance to interview Amanda Nunez and Demetrius Johnson in studio a few weeks ago. It was great to learn, uh, you know, their stories a little bit further. And I'll do the same with Mitch Clark later. That's at 7.30. We will uh, chat with Mark Spector from Sportsnet here in a second. Mark, a big Eskimos fan. Also excited to see what uh, Kyler Yamamoto can do with the Oilers at uh, the upcoming rookie tournament in Penticton. That's in September. We're getting very, very close. August is flying right by. It's already August 11th. It seems like it just uh, a few days ago was August 1st, but uh, not the case. We're already almost halfway through the month, and September means closer and closer to hockey action. Training camps start getting underway. We have uh, Labor Day just around the corner as well when the uh, CFL season officially heats up. Lots uh, to look forward to. All right, 7.07 in Edmonton. We are going to hear from Mark Spector with Sportsnet. Mark, welcome back to uh, Inside Sports. How are things going? Doing great. Beautiful day in the Big E. No doubt about that. And here I am stuck uh, in the old office uh, doing Oilers now and Inside Sports. It's a good field time, though, so I can't complain. (laughs) There you go. Uh, it's really, it wasn't very nice out today, actually, Brendan. I'm telling you, it was cloudy, and the golf courses were in terrible shape. I'll tell oh, you yeah. For sure. I'm sure. You were out <laughs> golfing, I take it? Yeah, I played a little bit today, but, uh, you know, it was awful. It was terrible. Didn't enjoy it one bit. <laughs> did you get out with, uh, did you get out with Reed Wilkins at all? I know he's been golfing a lot this week. I never did. He keeps bugging me for, he loves to play like a 7 a.m. game down at Riverside, which I think would be awesome. Uh, I love to play Riverside. I haven't played it for a long time. And I like playing early. But, no, we haven't hooked up yet. But uh, there's still a little bit of summer left. Him him and I will uh, figure it out one way or another. I actually haven't been out with him yet either. He always asks me to go at, like, 8 in the morning during the weekdays. I'm like, no, I gotta, I need to do Oilers now. Like, it's uh, it's tough to get out there and then come in and do the show. But, uh, you know, one of these days it will be fun to get out there at 3. I actually golfed with him in uh, the media the media thing we had with the Oilers last year. And uh, that's coming up as well. Oh, yeah. so that should be fun. Yeah, it's always, it's always, uh, you know what? Our summers are short, but the weather's beautiful, and it's nice to get out and play. And uh, you know, and you got to do it because once September comes, you know, we go to Penticton for the uh, Young Stars Rookie uh, Camp thing tournament, and uh, then you come home and camp opens, and then here we go, man! It's a full long season of hockey, which we love, 
but uh, we also enjoy turning it off a little bit during the summertime, right? Well, you mentioned uh, the prospect uh, tournament in Penticton. Let's start with uh, that. We'll get to the Eskimos in a second because I just uh, was talking with Kyler Yamamoto uh, on Oilers mm-hmm. now. He signed his entry-level uh, contract uh, yesterday. I know you were down at – were you at the draft when uh, they drafted him? I was indeed, yes. A lot of fans excited about what he can do. I was asking fans on Oilers now earlier today, Mark, how long until he becomes a top-six player on the Oilers. And you would think, based on his size and his skill set, it would have to be in the top six if he's going to play for the Oilers, although, I mean, a lot of teams have three scoring lines now. But still, how far away do you think he is based on his size and his skill and uh, what he can do here with that size in the NHL? Well, you know, it's it's funny. I remember when the Calgary Flames had drafted Johnny Goodroll and he was still back in the Boston playing college hockey. And and the feeling, you know, this was, this would be what? This would be five, six years ago. And the feeling was, well, yeah, he's good, but, you know, he's just so small. Like, there's just no way that that can translate to the National Hockey League among, you know, men. Uh, and, I mean, I'm, I don't know if Kyler Yamamoto is going to be as good as Johnny Goodrow. It's the Oilers, Oilers would love that. But the point is that the league has, has changed, and the league is open now, and a small player can play. And I think, frankly, the next stereotype, I mean, clearly Yamamoto's pegged to be a top six player. I agree with you on that, Brennan, but I think the next stereotype sort of becomes, oh, a guy that size can't be a checker. Well, you know, checking in the league now is all about beating the other player to a spot and getting body position, right? And that's all about foot speed, and that's why today's defenseman uh, is a smaller defenseman than he used to be, because he's got to be quicker. So, Kyler Yamamoto, I mean, clearly he's got pro, his skills are at a pro level already, uh, I don't know how much bigger and stronger he can get. He'll have to get a little bit, but, uh, you know, who knows? We've seen now an NHL where a guy his size can not only just play in it, he can be a star in this league now. Tyler Ennis is just a little guy. Uh, he's had a real good career. Jared Spurgeon out of Edmonton, little guy, one of the better defensemen in the game today. So I'm looking forward to watching this kid go, and, and the sky's the limit, man. Well, he compared himself to Matt uh, Zuccarello, who I didn't even think of, but that's a pretty good comparison because he's small and he plays a feisty game as well for the Rangers. Yeah, there you go. And and Matt Zuccarello, who I believe is Swiss, right? Yeah. So, you know, there's another stereotype. Oh, Swiss guy, a little Swiss guy. How's he ever going to play? <laughs> you know what? He plays just fine now. So I, I'm really – I like where the National Hockey League game has gone. I like the fact that they don't just blow the last four picks in the draft on guys who are 6-2-2-15 like they used to. Uh, and I love the fact that skill now is more important than size because size isn't that exciting to watch. But, you know, skill in the hands of guys like Johnny Goodrell, it's really exciting to watch. Talking with uh, Mark Spector here on Inside Sports. Uh, sticking with the Oilers before we move to the Eskimos, um, I was chatting with uh, Dustin uh, Swartz on Oilers now as well today. And, of course, he's the Oilers goaltending coach. And I was asking about all the goaltenders in the Oilers system. And he was talking about Cam Talbot a little bit and how he's become uh, such a good goaltender, one of the top goaltenders in the league. And I sort of tied it into Laurent Bressois. And uh, Talbot said uh, to, to Bob Stoffer that he's ready to go. He'll play 73 games again this season if he needs to. And uh, Dustin said... He's okay with that as well as a goalie coach. Ultimately, it will be decided by Todd McClellan. But at the same time, I'm sure the Oilers 
don't really want to see Talbot have to play 73 games this season. That was partly due to because Gustafson was so bad to start the year. But uh, with Brassois, I think they'll want to give him some more games as well. But it might be make it or break it this year for Brassois if he wants to be an NHL backup. Would you agree or disagree with that? Yeah, this will be his best chance. This is, you know, every player, uh, you know, they, they get drafted, they go minor pro, they wait in the wings, they they prepare and get better. For and They hit that, eventually, most guys hit that intersection, right, of preparedness and opportunity. And I think that intersection now is crossing right in front of Laurent Bersois. Uh He will be the backup here. They do want him to play 20 games. And he will get the chance. And if he's good enough, you know, he'll play 25 or whatever the number turns into. So absolutely, uh, and you know, he's he's paid his dues. He's been around. This reminds me a little bit of Devin Dubnik, who really did the same thing at Edmonton, right? He, he I mean, he played in Kamloops. He played, I think, in the East Coast League. He backed up in the, in the A. He started in the A. He backed up in Edmonton. And finally, the day came for Devin Dubnik to get his shot in Edmonton as the number one goalie. And he'd tell you if he was standing next to us right now, he blew it. He wasn't ready, and he didn't get the job done, and they traded him. Uh, this is the time for Laurent Brassois to establish himself as an NHL goalie. It's on the plate. It's right in front of him. Everyone in the organization wants it to happen, including him. <laughs> so, you know, it'll be fun to watch because I think he's ready. I, I can't see why he's not ready. But uh, you know how it is with goalies, man. We can think and hope and, and say all those things. Uh, we'll look at his numbers after 10 starts and we'll know if he's, if he's ready. I know you're a big Eskimo fan, Mark. 7-0, um, and oh, and it's amazing how they keep finding ways to win. I, Mike Riley, I mean, clearly when you have him right now, you, get, you have a chance to win every game the way he's playing, but with the O-line being uh, switched every game on him, he's still making plays and uh, he's running a little bit more, but uh, he sort of has to at times with what's... Uh, being left for the Eskimos to work with. But with all the injuries, what has, uh, I guess, been the one thing that's just set out for you uh, for these Eskimos, the, the way they've been able to win all these games, a lot of close games, but the, they can close it out. So what's stood out for you with this 7-0 start? Well, a couple things, certainly from last night. Uh, Hugh O'Neill, the former U of A Golden Bear football player, <laughs> kicker, right? Yeah. Uh, he kicked a – I mean, what were his numbers last night? Was he not uh, perfect on the night from the, from in field goals? I believe he was – was he 4-0 or 3-0? and I think he uh, missed one field goal, but his punting was – he had some big punts. And I think he pinned right, uh, Ottawa at the one that one time that really helped the Eskimos yeah. get going. That's what I was just going to get to. So maybe he missed a field goal. I might – I have forgotten about that. However, uh, his kicking was very good. Uh, this is a guy that you know wasn't even on the team. They lost their kicker for a while here in Shaw, and uh, those field goal points were really valuable at the end of that football game last night. And then the icing on the cake, you know, deep into the game, late in the night, they decide to kick a, to punt the ball, and he puts it out in the one yard line. So to me, he's sort of a, a metaphor for a guy that wasn't even on the team that's come in, taken over, you know, the kicker's role and the punter's role is clearly a, a very important role on your football team. And not only is he is he getting by, he's doing a hell of a job. I mean, he's a better kicker and punter than he was when he was here the last time, to my eye. Uh, so that's one thing. And I think the other is, uh, you know, the defense last night, um, it was their turn for injuries, right? It was their turn to see uh, Marcus Howard go down with with. You know, I'm no doctor, but that didn't look very good to me. And I hope we see him again this season. Uh, and then Sewell goes down as well. 
And what was the Eskimos' defense doing in the fourth quarter? They were shutting down Ottawa. They, they found a way to get the pressure, to stop the drives, to not allow Ottawa to put together the lengthy drive they were looking to do. And, uh, and just when it seemed like maybe, you know, Ottawa might be able to get a chance to figure him out, what did Riley do for the last two and a half minutes? He kept the ball in Edmonton's hands, drove the ball all the way down the field at the end, and used up almost all of the clock. Ottawa needed points. They didn't even have the ball at the end of that game. So solid team effort, working on all fronts. And it still amazes, I think, everybody, including myself, how, you know, the next man up thing here, every guy who steps into a position that's been vacated due to injury seems to get the job done. Yeah, the D-line injuries sting a little bit here because that was the one position the Eskimos could rely upon to be healthy and dominate most of these games. And now two guys go down. Now they do have a guy like Bowers that can step in and uh, Boateng. So we'll see uh, what happens with the injury front there. But the one constant is Mike Riley. Um, you've watched uh, War Moon. You've watched Tracy Ham, Some other great Eskimos quarter- quarterbacks. Ricky Ray comes to mind. But where do you... Uh, rank uh, what Mike Riley is doing right now with some of the all-time greats that the Eskimos have had? Yeah, it's a good question, isn't it? He's, uh, I guess we can almost begin to, you know, he hasn't been around long enough for his numbers to challenge most of those guys, but I think that we can look into the future and see that Mike Riley is going to be thought of as one of the great Eskimo quarterbacks, I'll bet you. You know, 10 years from now, when you that list you just listed off, Brendan, it's going to include Mike Riley's name. Uh, you know, he's a mixture of so many things, like Warren Moon didn't like to run much, uh, but he could when he had to. You know, he was a, one of the best rollout passers you ever saw in your life, the way he could throw the ball off the wrong foot. Uh, Tracy Ham scrambled a ton. You know, Damon Allen was a water bug. Uh, Riley, I, I, Riley is a more powerful runner. You know, when he, when he did that naked bootleg on the two-point convert last night, he got in without any contact, but... You just knew that had there been contact necessary, he'd have put a shoulder down and driven a linebacker two yards deep in hands on. So I don't, you know, you tell me, do you think, I don't see him being the same as any of those guys. He, you know, he's maybe a little bit like Dunnigan used to play, but he's bigger. Um, it's hard to compare him to somebody, but he sure does have the elements. He's smart. He's got an arm. Uh, he can scramble when need be. He He's... You know, when he he threw a lot of slants last night on second and seven, second and eight, where he stuffed a ball in uh, in front of a defender and really got the ball in with some zip. Uh, There's no there's no holes in his game, man. I can't think of anything that I would look at his game and go, boy, I wish Roddy was better at this. Can you? Yeah, no, no doubt about that. And, uh, you know, the reason I bring it up is, yeah, the stats, he still has a long way to go to get to some of Warren Moon's numbers or Ham's numbers and stuff like that. But he did pass Warren Moon last night for uh, a TD pass in 17 straight games. So that's pretty incredible as well. He's so consistent. Yeah, Yeah, there you go. So, uh, you know, and and I want to say it's a different game, but I don't think it's that different, frankly. That old team that, you know, of the late 70s, early 80s that Moon played on scored 45 points all the time. Uh, they were clearly, you know, probably the best team to ever play in the CFL. Uh, Riley doesn't have that good a team around them, but you know what? He throws it. He he's he sure does get you. You know, my feeling on the CFL, Brennan, you got to score thirty. If you're going to win, if you score thirty, you're going to win almost every night. Well, this team's, you know, this team gets almost to thirty every night now. And uh, if they're going to get beat, it's because the other team's going to need about thirty-five or forty to get them. 
And so far, Knockwood, the defense has been able to keep the other teams a lot closer to 20 than 35. Well, it's an exciting time for the Eskimos. I think uh, Labor Day will tell the story of where this team's officially at. And speaking of Labor Day, that means, you know, football is just around the corner. Hockey's uh, coming up as well. And there are some big storylines, you know, making news today uh, in the sporting world from the NFL. You have the PGA uh, championship going on. And there's a big tennis story as well that's caught your eye, Mark. Yeah, the Canadian kid. Uh, let me get his name right. Shapovalova. Uh, Den- I left it for you. I was going. I was like, let's let Mark say this one. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that hard a name, especially if you cover hockey. Uh, what a great story, you know, to to beat Rafael Nadal. Like when you saw, you know, I, I'm not a big. I'm not going to tell you I'm a huge tennis guy. I enjoy the game, and I obviously respect the how good they are. Uh, but when you see that matchup, you, you just think about a lesson. You think, oh well, you know what? The kid gets in with Rafa for the first time. Good for him. He's really going to learn a lot tonight, <laughs> you know. And I happened to be uh, watching a little bit last night, near the end, right at the end. Actually, I came in and thought, "Oh, gee, this game's still on. I wonder what the score is." And before you know it, uh, the kids winning, and and it's really captured Canadians. I know that on uh, my website, Sportsnet.ca, it's the most read story today. Uh, and Arash Madani's post-match interview with the kid was was just magic. I mean, Arash is such a pro. Uh, and it's a fun story. It's it's tennis. You know, Raonic is out of the Rogers uh, Open, in, uh, and he's had some injury issues. Uh, we just had uh, Jeannie Bouchard sort of going on to my mind at far too much length about the burden of being the best Canadian women's player. It's an honor, not a burden, my dear. Um, and this kid really puts a positive light on that tournament, on Canadian tennis. He really brought something to the table that we haven't had for a long time. Uh, all of a sudden, everyone's looking into the, your computer to see, who is this kid? Where is he from? I thought he was Russian. Ah, he's Canadian, and uh, looks like we're proud to have him. Well, Mark, we'll leave it at that. Um, we'll see you next Tuesday when you're in studio on Oilers Now. Hey, thanks for having me, Brennan. Yeah, thanks for taking some time and helping bail me out. Uh, it's been a long week, but uh, <laughs> I, appreciate, I appreciate your help. No problem, man. Anytime. And uh, speaking of that tennis story, the Canadian kid has uh, done it again in action at the Rogers Cup. Dennis Shapovalov is off to the semifinal uh, with a 2-6-6-3-6-4 win over France's Adrian Manorino. So what a story. 18 years of age. Huge win last night over Rafael Nadal, and he's off to the semifinals at the uh, Rogers Cup. So that's a developing story this evening. 724 in Edmonton. We'll take a timeout. This is Inside Sports. You're listening to Inside Sports on Edmonton Sports Leader. 630 Chad. Back here on Inside Sports. Brennan Ulrich with you. 726 in Edmonton. Really excited about what's ahead here on the show as uh, we will be talking about UFC 215, the first ever UFC pay-per-view in Edmonton, September 9th. Of course, uh, two big main event title fights, Demetrius Johnson taking on Borg, and we have Nunes versus Shevchenko in the other uh, main event, and some other big fights on the card as well, including one I'm looking forward to, Mitch Clark. 
light heavyweight bout against Alex White. Mitch Clark from Edmonton, and he's uh, going to join us on Inside Sports to talk about how he's preparing for this fight. Fighting here in Edmonton should be a thrill for him, and we look forward to talking with Mitch after the 7.30 News with Thomas Dias. You're listening to Inside Sports on Edmonton Sports Leader, 630 Chad. All right, Led Zeppelin bringing us back here in Inside Sports. Brendan Ulrich and uh, Patrick Bauer with you. We are going to uh, talk with Mitch Clark here, and that was uh, his choice of uh, music. And it sounds like that's what uh, he's going to uh, maybe be rocking out to when he enters uh, the octagon at UFC 215 in Edmonton on September 9th. Mitch, welcome to Inside Sports. How are you doing? I'm doing pretty well. How are you? Not bad. So I take it you're a big Led Zeppelin fan. Uh, you know, I am. I'm, I'm just more so an older <laughs> rock uh, fan more than anything. I'm not too, not too familiar with new stuff anymore. I was old school. Well, that's cool. Um, are you going to be coming out to that song uh, at UFC 215? There, there's a chance, you know what I mean? Uh, i still got a month to go, so it might change to the next upcoming week. So I just go by what kind of what kind of hits you on the inside, you know what I mean? There you go. Well, how much thought goes into that? I mean, you fought on UFC cards before. Do you put? I mean, obviously you're training for a fight, but do you ever you know, go back and forth on a few songs here when you're trying to figure out what you're going to come out to? Yeah, you know, a little bit. Uh, it's not, like, obviously my main focus, but more than anything, um, you know, there's a couple things. Yeah, I always look for, you know, more than 120 beats per minute. And, and something that, you know, where you get a, I don't know, like if you, when you're going to, like, just a workout gym and you get, you put certain song comes on and you get that buzz on the inside, that's what you're looking for. At least that's what I'm looking for. Awesome. Yeah, so it's not a big production like, say, a Conor McGregor when he comes out. And I'm sure Floyd Mayweather, with that fight just around the corner, what that's more of a show than it's going to be a fight. But uh, you're saying you, you put a little bit of time into it, but the fight's where it's at. I'll, all right, let's talk about that fight because uh, it's it's getting close. And uh, it's what the last time you fought at a UFC event was uh, July 7th, 2016, according to Wikipedia. So that's over a year. Uh, have you fought at all in between then or... Was that the last fight you had? That was the last time in May fight I, I had. I, I, I competed in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. Uh, probably what isn't on Wikipedia is me blowing out my knee in that fight. Hence, okay. Uh, the layoff. <laughs> um, but, you know, for me, I'm, I'm always training and always uh, doing competitive training and, and doing, you know, I was competing in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu just to make sure that my body, you know, felt good and, you know, I've been training uh, with the university wrestling team in Alberta. So, you know, for me, it, it's it's you know, layoff doesn't really mean anything because I'm always in the gym. Awesome. Yeah, well, blowing out your knee, I mean, that must be tough. I mean, it's a little different nowadays. I'm sure it's easier to recover from. I mean, back in the day, it would probably be almost impossible to do that. But to be, to be able to come back from a big knee injury, what's that been like in terms of the challenge and... Uh, you know, just I'm sure you want to get back at it, but you need to train and uh, slowly work your way back up. You know, it's uh, uh, just kind of the the type of athlete I am, being 
you know, one of the re- really gritty, you know, just continue looking for, for perfection, essentially, and just, yeah, I'm, I'm about work, you know, I'm not the freak athlete like some of the, some athletes we have, so for me, it's about constantly putting in that work, and I was really lucky that, um, you know, I got to work with a great facility in Edmonton uh, for my strength and conditioning, my rehab, and then also just kind of like get going after that with Athex uh, uh, Performance. You know, they're a great strength and conditioning facility, and they have everything in-house, and they made the transition back to me getting healthy. And my trainers, Luke and Cam, made such a big deal, and my, my Cairo, my sports Cairo, Danny, uh, she was amazing for really making sure that I was able to get that full recovery. And the whole team they have there has just been able to to make me feel like I'm 10 years younger. Well, uh, being with the UFC, you have fought in Canada in the past. Uh, I think you debuted in the UFC in Toronto, then you fought in Calgary shortly after Winnipeg as well. And this isn't the first time fighting in Edmonton. Uh, before joining the UFC, you had a number of bouts uh, here in Edmonton. But to be able to you know, be on a UFC card in Edmonton, I know you're from Saskatoon, but did you, you must have you grew up in Edmonton, correct? No, I grew up in, in Saskatoon. Okay, I've, sorry. I've lived, I've lived in Edmonton for about eight nine years now. Okay, well, just to be able to fight on a card in Edmonton, that must be pretty cool. You know, I, I, it's a big deal to me. Um, number one, it's uh, the the first one in Edmonton. It's in Rogers, uh, so it, it's a really big deal in that sense. But I, I missed out on uh, the UFC in Saskatoon, unfortunately. So this is a tremendous opportunity for me to kind of like get that back, you know, in my adoptive city mm-hmm. of Edmonton. And uh, I'm really looking forward to this opportunity to show what I can do. Well, I know, uh, I believe the event is already sold out. But, uh, I mean, you, you work in a gym here in Edmonton. Uh, you, you mentioned living here for a number of years. What do you think... Uh, you know, the following is of the USC here in Edmonton because people I've talked to, it seems like everyone's really excited about this and it's the first time coming. I think having a new arena like Rogers Place helped bring the event here. But in terms of USC fans in this city, you're around a lot of fighters. Uh, what do you think the buzz is like for this event? Um, uh, I'm trying to figure out how to word this. Uh, <laughs> Take your time, it's all good. Um, so the big thing is, uh, I think it's tr- like Edmonton has always been known as a really great fight city. You know, I, I, I find it unfortunate that we don't have a couple more of our stellar athletes on there, such as like Sheldon Westcott, Mike Scarcello. We've had so many really good guys in the city uh, be able to, you know, uh, fight a lot in Edmonton. And, and, you know, hopefully I'd like to see a lot more of them on the card as well. Uh, you know, I, I think I think we need... I think MMA needs to grow a little bit more in the city and, and it, like to where it used to be. And it, like, the thing is, is, yeah, I'm in the fight community, but like, let's just take you. I've been in the UFC for almost six years. Did you, did you know that? Um, to be frank, no, <laughs> I did not. I don't, I'm not, I mean, like, I don't, I, I'm occasionally a UFC watcher. I, I watch the bigger pay-per-views. So yeah, I'm, I'm learning more and more. Um, I'm and studying I, the fight card I'm not here. To put no, I know what you mean. Yeah, either. No, I know what you mean. But absolutely. But I've also like I had one of the top submissions of the of the year. You know, when I beat Ally Akinta. You know, I've had been in the UFC forever. I'm not like that huge like rock star style athlete. And I think um, a lot of a lot of 
the general people who are great UFC fans, they don't know how many awesome athletes they have in the city. And I, I wish that the UFC would have been able to take some of those and bring them in and show how great Edmonton's athletic community is. And really, because you know what? A lot of these really great athletes, they're not out partying. They're not out promoting themselves. They're thinking about how do I get better at my craft? How do I become a better fighter, a better martial artist? How do I give back to my community as much as possible? No, that's well said. And uh, you brought up that uh, technical submission you had uh, back in 2014. That also earned you the performance of the night, so that must be one of the highlights of your career. Yeah, you know, yeah, I, I'd actually put it as number two uh, for highlights of, of, of my fighting career. That was a huge uh, feather in my cap. I beat a really good guy. He hasn't lost anyone since. It was a beautiful submission. Uh, and, and I'm really happy about it, but really my first win when I fought in UFC Winnipeg, my first UFC win, that's the, that's the one that means the most to me. Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, talking with Mitch Clark here, local uh, UFC fighter. He will be uh, competing at UFC 215 in September here in Edmonton. Uh, besides fighting in the UFC, it sounds like uh, you're a coach as well and you train uh, a lot of locals. Um, tell me more about that. You know, I, I, I kind of jump around a little bit. I've kind of put more coaching on the back burner right now because I'm just, you know, sometimes you do have to be selfish and focus on yourself. But I, I've been doing, uh, you know, some work at a little sweatshop slash the, uh, the Snake Pit MMA in Shirt Park. Uh, my, my main go-to is uh, uh, Mundaruka North Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. You know, that's where I got my black belt in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu under... Jay Redmond and Sean Jewett, and then also I've been doing a little bit of work at Hybrid Martial Arts at Fort Task. And as I said, you know, we have such a huge community of great coaches and great athletes that there's so so much, uh, so many different coaches to choose from. That I feel really lucky to be a part of this community in Edmonton and area. Absolutely. Well, I think uh, you know. Better late than never that the UFC is coming here with an event like this. Hopefully the sport continues to grow, and uh, here in Edmonton as well, the local scene. Um, looking at the rest of the card, though, what has you most excited about uh, this event being here? You know, uh, obviously I'm going to pick my fight, but I don't think that that's going to be the same for all the UFC fans out there. But the the main event is a great main event. I'm kind of biased, though, because I'm down at, in Albuquerque, New Mexico right now training with, uh, alongside, not training with, I'm just too big, but uh, <laughs> a Ray Borg, who's going to be fighting Demetrius Johnson for the flyweight title. Yeah, I think that's going to be a really good fight. The co-main event, uh, Amanda Nunez fighting uh, Valentina Bullet-Shevchenko, is going to be an amazing fight. I think we're, and, and, and even that, after that, the Francis Ngannou versus uh, Junior Dos Santos, I think the main card is amazing. So, if you have, if you get in, make sure that you, you see the prelim fights because I'll be on there. But I think if you get there early, you're going to be fully entertained all night. Well, just uh, yeah, it's just around the corner here, September 9th. So give us uh, your schedule in in terms of the next uh, month or so in the lead up to this fight. You know, uh, tomorrow I get the opportunity to go run. Uh, it's called the Hill of Tears. So that's going to be that fun. sounds scary. It's yeah, it's, it's not the the hill of super fun time, that's for sure. Uh, but, you know, the thing is, is right now I'm training at elevation. That helps. And, and it's, it's a huge mental uh, mental toughness skill to be able to train there. I have wrestling practice tomorrow, Sunday off, 
you know, and, and then I just, throughout the week, I have two two full practices a day, and in the afternoon, either working with, you know, the strength and conditioning coach here, or uh, working with the striking coach, or, or you know, I have, or the uh, elite uh, ortho clinic they have here as well. I, I, every day is two to three sessions. And then making sure I'm eating properly, I'm recovering properly. Recovery is probably the hardest thing. Just yeah, as you get a little bit older, uh, it's not like when you're 21 and you're just thinking that you can you can show up hungover and still kill practice. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> well, it's uh, grind time, crunch time for you. I, I said a month or so. I guess it's less than a month. It's already August 11th. Time's flying by. So September 9th is the Four big weeks. fight. Four weeks. Yes. Um, thanks for taking some time, Mitch. Uh, I think you have a lot more fans on your side now after this interview, people that are listening tonight. So we, we appreciate you taking some time here, and best of luck, man. I'm rooting for you. Thank you. I really appreciate it. And I thank, you, thank you for having me on your show, and let me, <laughs> let me talk on your show. We'll do it again soon after you win, for sure. We'll celebrate. <laughs> Sounds good. Thanks, Mitch. Thank you. That's Mitch Clark, a local UFC fighter, getting set for UFC 215. It's cool to talk to the fighters. I actually had the chance to interview uh, Amanda Nunes and uh, Demetrius Johnson as well. Now, I don't follow the sport religiously, learning more and more about it, but, I mean, imagine training for a fight. Like, how do you get your mind set to do something like that? I mean, every day I'd be thinking about that. Like, I, I get worried about hosting a show. I couldn't imagine getting worried about a fight, and I would think about that every day. Uh, Patrick, are you a, f- a follower of uh, the UFC or mixed martial arts? Uh, yeah, I've kind of fallen off it in the last couple of years. Um, like when I was younger, I did boxing. I did some MMA when I got okay. older and stuff like that, but I've never competed even close to that level uh, or any level other than back alley brawls, you know what I mean? So, uh, But, yeah, I can't imagine. There's a lot of me- not just physical toughness but mental toughness that has to be involved in that game, uh, conditioning through the yeah. roof, right? Like it's insane. Yeah, I can imagine uh, training for a fight. Ah, but it's cool to to learn the stories of the fighters and Mitch Clark being from here or living here the last eight or nine years, he said, but, you know, being born in Saskatoon, it was great to hear his story a little bit. And he's recovering from a knee injury, so that must be extra tough on top of uh, everything he has to go through here to be a fighter. So that was a cool story. Mitch Clark, UFC, 215, September 9th at Rogers Place. 748 in Edmonton. We'll take our final time out of the evening. We'll come back. We'll hear a quick conversation with Kyler Yamamoto, uh, get to some of the scores around the sporting world as well. That's ahead when we wrap up Inside Sports. You're listening to Inside Sports on Edmonton Sports Leader, 630 Chad. Seven fifty one inside sports. Brendan Ulrich with you. Getting closer and closer to the weekend. CFL action tonight. We have Montreal hosting Toronto. The Alouettes up twenty one to six right now at uh, the end of the third quarter. Uh, baseball action tonight. Toronto losing four two to Pittsburgh. Boston right now up three nothing on the Yankees. Uh, Cleveland up 5-0 on Tampa Bay on the bottom of the ninth. Uh, What else is going on tonight? PGA uh, Championship Round 2 went later than expected due to uh, some lightning in the area. 
They resume play, but then round two was suspended due to darkness. Your current leaders at eight under are Kevin Kissner and Hideki Matsuama. Seven under for Matsuama today. Incredible. He's on fire right now. Jason Day, by the way, finishing at five under for the day. He's in third uh, at six under on the tournament. So Jason Day getting back into form after uh, battling a number of injuries earlier on in the season. He's had a tough year, but it looks like he's closing it out with a good finish. Uh, the PGA Championship. At tennis, the uh, Rogers Cup in Montreal. Another impressive performance for the 18-year-old kid. Dennis Shapovalov. Holy, I butchered that. It's tough to say. Shapovalov, I believe, is how it's said. How would, I would you say, say Shapovalov? Shapovalov, right? okay. Shapovalov. That, yeah, that, that rings off, off the, the tongue, tongue a little yeah. bit easier, yeah. <laughs> so... Get used to that name. He's only 18, and uh, he's taking the tennis world by storm, knocking off Roger Nadell last night and uh, tonight in the uh, quarterfinals at the Rogers Cup in Montreal. He beat uh, Adrian Manorino, so he's off to the semis. It would be pretty cool if he could take down that tournament. All right, Kyler Yamamoto uh, signed his entry-level contract with the Oilers yesterday. He joined me earlier on uh, Oilers Now to talk about the new deal, and we'll get to that conversation right now. Tyler, congratulations on the new deal. Welcome to Oilers Now. How are you doing? Thank you. Uh, I'm doing really good. Um, you know, I had to celebrate a little bit yesterday um, when it happened, but, um, you know, got back to it this morning. I um, was back on the ice, so it's been it's been a crazy day, but past two days, but it's been a lot of fun. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, you know what's going to happen eventually here. You're officially going to get that uh, ELC uh, contract signed. But uh, must feel like a bit of a relief knowing that it's done. Now you can focus uh, on what's ahead here, and that's trying to make the Oilers. Yeah, definitely. Yep. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to uh, you know the challenge of making the Oilers. But um, you know it should be a fun road. No doubt about that. Well, you uh, recently were uh, taking part in uh, the uh, summer showcase for the World Junior event as well uh, for Team USA. You guys beat Team Canada in the finale of that. Uh, tournament warm-up uh what was that experience like for you and uh, you were on that top line a really good line uh with middlestad and brown it seemed like you guys were able to dominate that showcase for most of it yeah um you know they're really two great players i was actually fortunate to play with them at uh, world championships under 18 and um our chemistry kind of carried over but you know the camp was a lot of fun Uh, met a lot of new guys uh, a lot of great guys and just being able to you know listen to the coaching staff and what they had to say um, you know, playing the games with the guys. Um, it was a lot of fun. And beating Team Canada, I mean, that must uh, be a pretty big deal for uh, for you guys at any level of hockey. Yeah, definitely. All the guys are, they get really amped up, um, especially me for a Canada-U.S. game. So, um, you know, being able to beat them twice, it was, uh, you know, a really big confidence boost for um, USA and um, for us. Well, you have a lot of Oiler fans excited after uh, scoring three goals and uh, three assists in five games in that tournament. Uh, you also have Wayne Gretzky pretty excited. I wanted to ask you about this because he recently, in an interview, had some good things to say about you. I know you've talked about this already, but when you hear Wayne Gretzky talk about uh, what you you being the right fit for this organization and uh, the confidence that he has that this was the right pick for this team and you know what you can do, that must feel pretty cool. Um, yeah, it's it's surreal, you know, having the greatest player to ever play, you know, say say words like that about you. Um, you know, I can't really even describe how excited I am and um, you know, thankful 
um, for that. So, you know, just watch, listening to him talk about me, um, you know, it's something I would have never thought in my entire life. But, um, you know, really fortunate that it's happening. And uh, the Oilers, of course, have Connor McDavid as well. Have uh, has he reached out to you at all to welcome you to the, the or- to the organization? Yeah, he uh, he sent me a text um, saying, you know, you know, congratulations to the team. And I was actually at development camp, and um, he told me hopefully Chad hasn't killed me, the strength and conditioning guy. So um, it was pretty funny, but um, yeah, he's reached out to me. Well, just looking ahead to your NHL career, I, it's no secret you are a smaller guy, um, but you have a lot of skill, and uh, a lot of people say you play a lot uh, bigger than your size, so I think a lot of fans here in Edmonton are looking forward to seeing what you can do on the ice. But maybe for uh, our listeners that don't know a whole lot about you, just describe uh, what type of player you are and what you think you can uh, do at the NHL level. Um, you know, I think I'm a two-way forward, um, you know, willing to go to those dirty areas, um, get to the net, um, you know, can make players in the offensive zone um, when needed, and I uh, was also defensively sound, and uh, I think, you know, I can uh, play that um, top six role and, you know, be able to um, produce in points and, um, you know, be a good plus-minus player and, you know, help the team win. That's Kyler Yamamoto earlier today on Oilers Now. You can hear the rest of that interview uh, at 630ched.com under Oilers Now. Patrick, thanks for helping out tonight. My pleasure. Is it your weekend officially now too? Uh, um, somewhat. I play slow pitch this weekend, but i got to work again tomorrow night and Sunday night. But Too bad. We'll have fun <laughs> at slow pitch. <laughs> thanks, buddy. All right. I'm off. It's been a long week. Reed Wilkins is back on Monday. I'm sure you're looking forward to hearing from him. He'll talk to you then. I'll be back with the Oilers now on Monday as well. So long from Inside Sports.